Hi. Hi. Um, you're listening to Uncle Eli's enormous craft problem. We're uh, getting along. This might be, maybe this is episode 38. Um, we're getting deep in the woods here. Um, I'm glad you're here with me together. Here we are. Here we are in my car, driving, going to work. Um, I've been doing a lot of work lately. You know, it's one of the things I do. But, plus I've been doing some water sports, some uh, swimming around in the ocean, taking my kids, do some surfing, boogie boarding type things, um, trying to train them up on the cold water arts. So, I got them. They do love the cold water, you know. They really do. Um, spent a lot of time as a young parent with them taking them to his, any body of water that I could find and get them in. Oftentimes a little cold. Now they are just, they love getting in the cold water. They love swimming. So, we all got matching wetsuits so we can go spend hours in the ocean being pummeled by waves. It's pretty magic stuff. Another thing I would suggest as your uh, personal trainer uh, is that you spend as much time as possible in water, preferably cold. Uh, large bodies like the ocean is good, good for you. But you know, if it's a little, little creek or a pond, also good for the soul. Good for the soul. Uh, my tattoo healing recommendation regiment is that um, you swim every day in cold water and then repeatedly slap the tattoo so um, more personal training so what's going on here what's going on here I want to talk about wood that's what I really want to talk about um, you know I feel like I got into like cutting wood and saws and like working with wood, but just like wood in general. I mean, isn't it some magic stuff? I feel like that's a good thing to talk about, right? Um, update on snacks, you know, Benin snacks. Cooked a huge chunk of pork. Um, that was pretty delicious. Honestly, it may have been a little suspect going into the crock pot, so I figured 10 hours on high. Um, and you know what? It was delicious. There was no suspects left after that. After that aggressive cook. Um, it, you know, a lot of salad. Probably, again, you know, I'm a little off my game um, with kids. I gotta, like, do more kid-related cooking, but, um, that's good. It's good. It's good to cook for kids, too. They like, they like some good basic stuff. Definitely makes me, I don't, I don't really eat cheese, but I do, when I'm with the kids, sometimes I do have to eat cheese, because you can't really let something go to waste, you know? Um, so, we'll be known to eat food. 
that I'm not supposed to eat. Um, what about you? Do you like to eat food that you're not supposed to eat? What kind of things do you do that you're not supposed to do? People tell you not to do. These are some things that we want to know about. Um, the fucking weather here is great. It's magic. Um, I gotta do. I gotta drive up north, up to um, the northwest. I'm not sure if I'm gonna be able to record more. Um, maybe I will, but I might just be too busy um, road tripping, roller skating in Eugene, and maybe roller skating in Ashland. There's a couple roller rinks on the West Coast that I've been wanting to hit. Um, Eugene just has like a cool the Amazon Creek um, has a great outdoor road uh, just a, like a it's a trail it's called the trail you can roller skate on um so I'm looking forward to that that's gonna be a good like uh the respite from the aggressive work situation I'm in uh I got some work up in a show in Seattle um which is kind of exciting kind of exciting um you know it's nice to have work shown it's cool it's good i'm like i don't know if i even say cautiously optimistic i'm just like straight up pessimistic about seattle like what it can do as far as galleries and museums and stuff um it just has like had so many like potential moments and lots of galleries that have flopped and lots of nothing happening um, there's definitely been some some humdingers um, but it feels like um, often um But just um, it just doesn't do it, you know. Um, I don't know. It's hard. It's like a hard. It's like a hard one to like really kind of break down or describe or like emote about because like I love the Northwest it has so many amazing craftspeople it has so many amazing things happening art and all this stuff but then um, I also feel like the galleries and the collectors don't always do such an amazing job really like representing and like making it like holding up what needs to be held up and like really showing what should be shown like really representing like I feel like a lot of the galleries like lean in towards the things that sell which like that makes sense they're businesses you know um, and a lot of the museums tend to show work from outside of Seattle and don't, and like give it lip service, but don't like 
go heavy on the work that's on artists that are in the Northwest. And there's so many amazing, crazy artists. And they're not that well known. They're, you know, they're Northwest artists because, and they're, they're broke and they don't get to show much because they live in the Northwest and they love it there. And it would be great if there was more unified representation in the museums and they work together to better showcase like real Northwest art. Um, but you know, again, they're businesses and that's like another reason, like I am like really just don't believe in institutions and don't think it's a great place for art and don't trust any galleries or museums. So I'm definitely like the wrong person to ask about this stuff. (laughs) But, um, I don't know. It's cool to see my work in a show. I don't know what it means. I mean, I've had plenty of work in shows in Seattle, and it's, like, exciting. And then pretty soon I got to, like, you know, I have a box coming back to my house that's a, or my studio that's full of art that got shown in Seattle. Um, so, you know, I have work in museums there. Um, and that they own uh, Seattle Art Museum has bought work from me but they've also like been totally shitty to deal with um, and have not done a good job being stewards of my work or other Northwest artists um, and you know Tacoma Art Museum has my work and they've been rad but you know it's like a tiny little spot and I don't know. Does it mean much? Not necessarily. Is it any good? I don't know. You know, um, it's like I guess the the most I could ask for, you know, is my work is like in museums and represented and ta-da. Um, so that's good. Um, I guess it would be nice if I felt like there was some sort of like sense of security or stability around that, but I think that's also like asking too much. You know, um, that's not what you get as an artist. You don't get security. You don't get stability. You get um, you get confusion and you get fear and you better get those. You better let that confusion of fear fill your sails. And you better get out in front of it and sail hard. You better ride the fucking waves of fear and pain and confusion. Um, because everyone's cheering for you. And that's what you get. That is what you fucking get. Um, so, you know, um, I can deal with that. I can deal with that. Uh, I think that I, finding a place where I just really don't believe in museums or galleries is helpful. I think that actually has helped me understand my position Um, because I think when I was hoping for better relationships with museums and galleries and like more, um, thoughtful conversations and more interesting, um, engagements and long-term relationships and it kept not materializing, I think I was frustrated and sad and like I essentially kept peeking behind this curtain, the curtain that I had created, but I kept peeking behind this curtain and seeing that it wasn't, it wasn't there. 
Um, it's just a job for the people that are in there. They move through. They don't really have a lot of stake in artists and representing art. They're there as a career. Um, it's not there to really like passionately represent the artists. I mean, they certainly have some passions, but um, they have their interests first, and it ends up everyone in the institutions has their own interests first. And the institutions show that, um, that they don't have, uh, you know, real stake in the artists. Uh, and the galleries, they're just there for the money. They're just there for the money. And if the sales are there, it's great. And sometimes they got great shows because the great shows are selling. And sometimes they just have crappy shows because that's also what's selling. Um, and there's not a lot of great curation happening in galleries. So what's the answer? You know, artists making crazy art and aggressing upon institutions and telling them they'd fucking suck. So here we are. Ta-da! Um, fucking beautiful Bay Bridge here. Synod traffic on the Bay Bridge is beautiful and sunny. Beautiful eucalyptus. The eucalyptus um, at this time of year is just so fragrant and beautiful, powerful. Um, really amazing tree. Have you ever noticed how the eucalyptus and the madrona trees have such similar kind of grain structure. I feel like the eucalyptus is like a little more true, but um, the madrona is just such an zany wood. Um, it's so hard to split, it's so hard to dry, it's so hard to get the grains, to get a reed on the grains. Um, it's really difficult to cut and carve. Um, it's a really beautiful, like, has a reddish orange color, but, and a, you know, kind of amazing patterning, but it's just like near impossible to use because of its crazy grain. And it's so, under so much stress, it grows in such crazy ways under so much stress. Uh, I feel like eucalyptus has like, some similar sort of feels to it. Um, I think it's a little bit more gentle and a little bit more true. But, um, you know, I think about these, like, weird hardwoods a lot. Um, the ones that are just, like, you can't really, like, pin down their, you know, really hard grains. They don't have a real, like structure to them they're often like oily and kind of messy <clears throat> they dull your blades they make it difficult kind of all around to deal with um, I think those are such those are just such magical powerful woods I mean they're like like crystals like power crystals um I think mahogany and like ebony's and they're woods that are like often called 
mahoganies, but they're actually not true mahoganies. They're just dark, um, and they take that name just because they're like difficult dark woods. Um, and it would be, I mean, it would be amazing to go to rainforest, like Amazon style, and see some of these crazy ass woods i mean a lot of the like exotic kind of mahogany labeled woods are just like are some really crazy old growth hardwood that won't ever grow back can't be replicated is is each itself a distinct species um some of those woods are pretty magic um i mean my my knowledge base is really more around the softer like the western red cedar douglas fir the pines, um, and spruce, pines and spruce, um, and they're like pitchy and fairly true grain, but with naughty nature. Um, and then the old growths of those that are way less naughty and tighter grain, but have a similar similar feel a similar smell but also can act a bit different um will often be more more resinous more pitchy um and a little bit stronger um that tight true grain can kind of carry them a little bit further um fucking old growth that old growth stuff is amazing um i've always loved finding weird old chunks of that i got a lot of weird pieces of old growth i mean comparatively not a lot i have a few pieces stashed in my studio and i've made a lot of art out of old growth i found there was a cabin on vashon island um that was near when I was going through cancer treatment. There's a this kind of like falling down. It was like barely even a cabin. It was just really like a shack that had melted into the earth. But I could tell there was all these boards that had the walls had collapsed in, and um, you know they were all a old growth. And this is what's it's tricky. It's is they're probably a fir, but the old growth cedar fir and pine can often all look the same like the cedar is a little bit lighter and can usually be differentiated but the pines and firs are like hard to tell apart um, they all kind of blend in when they get hella old like that and even the cedar um, can blend in like that sometimes you can tell by like the way it rots um, where the cedars will tend to not kind of rot the same um, but even so they're all like it's a different level of pitch they have um, and they're definitely more resilient um, and so found these old growth I mean it could have been some fucking redwood too real real talk um, but found these boards that were like one inch by ten inch wide and you know four to six feet long sort of boards um, probably originally longer but they were kind of rotten and split in certain places where they've been exposed and then um, you know layers of paint on one side and then 
cutting them open and cleaning them kind of and like using the wood as like a relic but also a new object um, building shelves and hanging apparatus for works in that period and then I would save those pieces so I have some from you know that what I made in 2010 to 12 and then I would save a couple pieces and use those later in other works like when I moved out to the upstate New York then I started using more birch and um, ash because the ash was being attacked by the ash borer beetle out there and so I was trying to use more ash like harvest the ash and use it to kind of like have this reference point at this moment you know to me that like all the detritus of that area was like important to pull into my art um and but i kept i would like weave in a couple pieces of this old growth um and then i did a project in the like 2013-14 time of making this these large tables for a gallery in new york very fancy galleries selling them to fancy people um, big fuckers, like, you know, four to six foot wide by 10 to 12 feet long. And all old growth harvested from, like, swamps and, like, you know, weird areas in the Northwest. There was a couple that were taken from, that had been boom logs, which is a boom stick is a log that you would use to carry a boom of logs through the Puget Sound. Um, the sound would carry these, you would carry these logs and you would you take a bundle of logs, um, you know, 10 to 20 sticks and wrap them in a cable. You know, they're, each log is 15 to 20 feet long, maybe it's 40 feet long, and they are 10, 12, 20 inches diameter. And then you wrap those all up to make a bundle. And then those bundles all float. And then you put 20 of those bundles together and you wrap a series of logs around. You wrap, you know, 10 to 40 logs around the outside um, to create a log boom. Um, and those boom sticks the logs that wrap around the outside of the bundles those get reused those are same ones over and over again they have the you bore a big hole a four to six inch hole at the end of each log so it's a 40 60 foot log that's got holes bored in either end and then you use a chain a boom chain to connect the logs um, at the end and so then those chains link together um, to create a um, a circle around the the floating bundles, and then you slowly drag those through the sound with a barge. So those boomsticks get reused over and over again, and they used to be enormous old growth sticks that were, you know, sticks, they're four to six feet in diameter. Um, and those would then live in the sound for 40 to 60 years, 80 years. I think the ones we got were in that 60 to 80 range. 
Um, so they were 800-year-old trees that then had spent almost 100 years just floating in the sound, being saturated with salt and getting covered with these um, clam shells that looks like a worm kind of thing. Um, it's like a it's a clam that bores holes through wood and creates a shell around it, like makes a tunnel with a shell around it. Uh, and so it makes kind of what's sometimes referred to as wormwood, but in fact it's not a worm, it's a clam. Uh, and often the shells then, like when you, the shells can deteriorate and fall out over time, and they can last for a while, but um, the wood will outlive the, the shells that bore the holes through it. Um, and so it's this kind of beautiful patterning that happens in the wood. Uh, and we're able to harvest a bunch of those logs um, from the sound um, through a very amazing series of like generational connections I have in the Northwest of friends and family um, calling old timers telling them you want logs um, listening to them laugh at you about what you're doing with them and then them selling you logs um, I feel like that's a it's a good it's a good experience for one to go through to um, buy logs from old family friends who think you're crazy so um, we're getting there don't worry we're getting there um, so we took those logs and then cut those up into you know planks essentially two inch slabs um, <clears throat> that then become tables with holes in them sold those to fancy people in New York City that is another I mean that's like that's where the old timers just fucking love it um, hearing that these logs are going to New York City um and those, those, that was like where I kind of learned about like the spruce and pine and the old growth. Like you can't fucking tell. Like they're just, they're so old and the way the grain acts around or the way that grain colors and everything is way different than what you're used to on, um, even like current old growth, which is only, you know, two to 400 years or something, um, where this old stuff where it's like in the 800 year old range um, that's where it's like um, it just acts different than anything we see and anything I'm used to seeing in all my years of of wood times um, so them old logs got some of those scraps um, some of those pieces from that I saved some of those, squirreled those away um, and then squirreled away some of these old weird cabin pieces and other pieces I found around in the northwest and weird lots or chunks of wood um, there was a so up in the upstate New York there's um, 
but, but what is that? Black locust wood. Um, that stuff is this like insane dense wood. Does sometimes they refer to it up there as iron wood because it's crazy hard. Like it's like sometimes even used in situations where you might actually normally just use iron um, but you use iron wood you use this black locust um, and it is so dense that it often doesn't float um, the it um, is that heavy it's fucking crazy use it a lot of times it got used in railroad ties um, it's the heaviest wood I've ever ever dealt with it's like crazy how heavy it is um never never have i ever um and that stuff is like a really common it's such a such a beautiful amazing wood and it's used also in fences fencing um it's either that or there's an eastern cedar that they'd use in fencing in the farmlands um, because both of those can handle because they just like to stick them right in the earth. Maybe you throw a concrete, maybe you throw a bag of dry concrete into the bottom and then you drop the pole on top of that and then you ram earth around that to get it to um, um, stabilize and then the black locust will is the most resilient where it can just take all that um, wet earth around it um, so those ones that was like so those both those those that eastern cedar I've got some of that too um, little chunks of that I had a couple longer sticks I think I got rid of those but um, and then the black locust is like kind of yellow. It has some black brown parts to it. Um, it almost looks like a black walnut. Like the way it grows in the bark, but also just in the wood and like the yellow blackiness, like looks like some parts of a black walnut tree. Um, and um, holy shit, that shit's hard hard and heavy like feels like fucking lead uh and i found there was one that got it was on a fancy collector's um property and um a black locust got hit by lightning and so i was on i was there doing some like site visit sort of thing there and then i'd knock a chunk of the wood I like stole a chunk of the wood because like they were like very guarded about like everything like everything was super secretive so I knew I had to like steal the wood and be very secretive about it so I stole a piece of the wood um, it was very naughty of me very powerful wood crystal there um, and uh, that one, I think I still just have that little chunk. I think I've used like a piece of it in an art project, but um, mostly just keep that one for power.
keep it around for secret power. Um, so you see what I mean by wood? Like this is why I just wanted to like just like ramble about wood for a little bit, give y'all some like some wood taste just because I fucking love this shit and I think about it a lot and I got all these weird like knowledge and information about wood, but it's not necessarily like super cohesive and relevant. And it also kind of ties back into my art a bit. So um, we're going to get back to more wood. What I'm going to go do now is going to go do a bunch of work and then maybe in the night we'll chat about this or hey, tomorrow I got to go in the ocean all day. Um, so I'm going to go do that. It's going to be fucking epic. I'm going to get so cold, and this is going to be rad. I'm going to ride a boogie board. I'm probably not going to get attacked by a shark. And I'll be thinking about y'all, but I'll see you soon, okay? So um, thank you. Love you. Bye-bye. Okay, here we are on the other side of boogie boarding. Did not get eaten by a shark. Did not see a shark. So that's good. Good news. Good news there. Um, you know, I have been thinking more about wood. I sure have. But I, I've also been thinking about institutions some more. And I think I wanted to dip back into that um, that thought process. Sorry. Sorry about this. Um, but okay, Let's see if I can get here. Um, the show I'm in Seattle. It's a great show. And it's exciting. It's exhilarating to see um, people trying to do things outside of the gallery and museum structure. Um, and it, it's it's a pattern that will develop. It's like a small collective of people want to do something want to make an art show and it's outside of the gallery they're trying to sell work but it's outside of the galleries it's outside of the museums it's not a museum show it's in a space that's not dedicated necessarily to um, you know it's not owned by the space or rented it's like it's a you know a small kind of pop-up, if you will, you know, a couple months, a year-old thing, and it's, um, you know, and some of these have the most powerful exhibits, I think, um, and well-curated, and well-thought-out, and interesting, and, um, you know, crowdsourcing the funding for it so that you know, they could put on a big show, lots of great artists, but generally, and, and this is like the fallback is that like, generally, they don't actually make a lot of sales out of these. They're not, you know, they don't have the collector base. They're not as aggressive with the selling. They're not like it's. They're not sellers. They're curators, and it's also kind of a pop-up show. So people are kind of like watching it tentatively, but not jumping in. Um, you know, they know that the funding isn't going towards a long-term thing. It's you know some of the funding is going towards the artist, but 
it's you know it, it doesn't last so you know collectors are also less apt to jump into that um, so it, it's you know what I'm puzzling with is this kind of the the tension here between these two things like what can create a good exhibit what can like put together an interesting show that's not so commerce driven um, and is more about the art and is the exciting stuff but then is not usually able to you know kind of push through in some way to create a you know a marketplace or a repeatable space a, a functioning you know environment um, and that that's like the the whole sad part of it and I don't I don't think there's an answer I think that it's like this this hard challenge and that's like <clears throat> I think the nature for me of the arts the capital a arts like and why they're in opposition to artists you know is that ultimately it's either like these you know interesting collective exciting spaces that don't last or it's you know galleries that are super commerce driven and they're not really um they're not you know they're they're about the sale and not about the interesting art and then the museums that are just like you know it's too watered down of a thought process by the time it gets to the doors being open and, and ready for public consumption it's like it's gone through many layers so many layers of you know curators directors and board to trim off the interesting stuff and to remove the exciting things um, and so I don't know I like dove back into that thought process and I want to revisit that idea because I think like it's you know I'm like I really love these weird places the, these weird spaces that pop up and these interesting shows that happen and I don't, you know, I don't see, like, any good outcome on any of these fucking things. None of it. Not a single bit, you know? Um, and so maybe that's my, um, maybe that's my problem. Maybe that's the problem that I've got. So... You know, I could do anything about wood and how much I love wood. I mean, isn't it so curious? The wood, like, I feel like we put this, it's like wood and glass and metal kind of exist in these, like, large arenas of craft um, as mediums. And they're kind of, you know, the trifecta of a lot of... Um, craft and archival kind of medium uh, and they fill a lot of space there and you know metal and glass are these um, you know kind of magic crystalline structures um, that have formed through 
repeat um, time processes, then wood is this thing that has grown, you know? And I think, I guess, in some ways, it's probably similar to, like, a fur or a bone sort of existence, like those kind of mediums, but they don't, you know, it just doesn't quite hold the same um, fur and bone, or certainly historically large uh, large world of craft around those um, but wood is just uh, it's just so enormous isn't that isn't that curious isn't that curious um, so we've got these large boomsticks that have lived in the sound for years that have been impregnated with salt very exciting pieces of wood um, got these crazy hardwoods that are basically like I mean they're more like metal or a crystal where they have this kind of like you know just don't even have a grain structure um, they don't split in any particular way these newer new growth lighter woods the the pines and firs and cedars that are like you know the younger ones that have grown really fast and have a wide grain and um, you know much more feel like a like a plant and have the smell of fresh and green young plant um, you know the 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 historical moments of like ash that going back to the ash the ash borer beetle that's really wreaked havoc on these ash in the east coast in the northeast um you know like a lot of baseball bats used to always be made of ash um and these kind of like the things that wood has has made um, like the black locusts and the fence posts and um, these historical moments of wood certain kind of woods um, white oak um, being important in the shipping industry it's able to bend you can really steam bend that stuff but red oak doesn't have the same ability to steam bend it doesn't last in the water the same way um, in these old woods that you'll find and of course like the old growth in the northwest like it and and all along the west coast the the old growth in the way that they would um the way that they were used and the industries of building and cabinetry that those created but that they don't the wood doesn't exist like that anymore um and what the way things used to be made um you know has kind of shifted and the the way those grains act makes it uh it's always much more difficult to make those things it used to be you know, trimming and cabinetry and tight work could all be done with these old growth that had very long, true grains. Um, and now 
that's kind of shifted to the point where a lot of these woods are kind of impossible to use and now composites are starting to kind of take the place of that um, and so you know perhaps we're going to see this like massive shift of composites taking over um, in some of these places uh, 3d printing and mold making processes and certain composites becoming cheaper and actually archival now um, and you know that's beautiful I suppose man-made power crystals uh, but wood wood is such a magic magic thing it's magic forest full of trees you remember trees oh they were so beautiful big enormous trees that books remember books books were so much fun and we had paper things like that but now we just have robots um, so I suppose that's pretty good we got robots um, and we got wood composites things that resemble wood you know, it's great. It's great, right? Oh boy. Well, um, I suppose we're gonna be done here in a minute. I'm uh, getting on to into San Francisco. Um, I've got some work to do tonight. A little studio work. It's getting hard to record in this car. Um, in this heat. It's so sweaty right now. So sweaty in this car. So fucking hot. Uh, I'm gonna go to the studio. I do some work. Then I'm gonna get in the car. I'm gonna drive very far back up to the northwest. I'm gonna spend a couple weeks on the road. Um, perhaps, perhaps I'll be able to record something. But perhaps. I won't, um, and we'll get back to this. I've got some ideas brewing about um, more specific things, less vague, wood rambles, um, more specific craft techniques, which I'm sure is why you're here. Um, nobody really wants to listen to me ramble. All four of you are here for very specific craft technique knowledge. Um, maybe a couple other people taking naps so um, we'll get back to those techniques but for now um, get a motor in this car and um, I'll be talking to you soon you know okay well thanks for listening and uh, that's the end of message bye for now love you